10 pence arcade podcast is sponsored by Retro Games Party. Get out of emulation and into the arcade with Retro Games Party. Arcade game hire for public events and private parties. With three regular community-led meetings throughout the year, there ain't no party like a Retro Games Party. Visit their website at www.retrogamesparty.co.uk and get involved. The 10 pence arcade podcast is a proud member of the Retro Junkies Network and Throwback Network. Hello there, I'm Steve Merchant, and this is my mate Carl Pilkington, and he's got a head like a f***ing orange. Alright. Not really, my name's Victor Marland, and this is my mate Sean Holly. Hiya, Vic, you okay? Yep, not too bad. And this is the 10 Pence Arcade Podcast, where we talk about arcades and stuff. Yes, we do. Right then, and what we normally do first is we'll talk about what we've been doing since the last podcast two weeks ago. Uh, do you want to start off, Sean, or shall I? I'll start off, I haven't got that much. Go really. on then. Well, I've been to Arcade Club, of course, again last night. Mm-hmm. Met some familiar faces and some new faces. Oh, do you know who was there? Did you just meet their faces, or was the rest of them there as well? In their faces. Oh. Uh, no, they're just faces. Weird, floaty fit. Do you know who was there last Who was night? there, indeed? Uh, for the last couple of weeks, actually. Bearded hipsters. Bearded hipsters? Bearded hipsters. Did do they know? have their single-geared bicycles with them? I didn't see... Well, I saw a few a few outside. I didn't yeah. bring them in. No. Did they have their Commodore 64 luggable computers under their arm? Uh, yeah, and the beards. Yeah, I thought they might be. But do you know what this means? This means that Arcade Club is getting into the area of cool. Yeah. I, so, always, I always thought it was cool, actually. Anything to do with arcades are cool. Apart from shopping arcades. Whenever I see uh, something that says arcade, when I'm in a new town, I get excited and it just says, like, shopping arcade. Hmm. Boring. But there's no so Space if, Invaders in there. So if you are a bearded hipster, get to Arcade Club, because it is now, apparently, for the youngsters, young young kids, it is trendy to like old arcade games. Absolutely. It's good, that, isn't it? Always has been. Yeah. And I've also been playing 1942 to death, of course, which we will talk about in our extended nine-hour podcast yeah. on 1942. Where you declare your love for 42. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I've got the cab on loan from James RGP, so thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. And, oh, one other thing, apologies to our viewers, because last time I said Arcade Club had Super Cobra in a candy, when obviously it wasn't, it was Super Contra ah, okay. in, a, in a candy. It could have had Super Cobra in there. Could could they? It could have done, yes. It would fit mm. in there with an adapter. Ah. No problem at all. So what have you been up to? And there's a big long list here. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, just a minute. Oh, oh, bad taste in my mouth. Ugh, let me just have a bit of coca sack. Well, that's better. Diet Coke relieves all. <laughs> well, first thing to do, you know, I was talking about that Vertstick 8-bit thing I was making, Mark II. Yep. I've made it. And if the listeners want to know what it sounds like, there you go. Can the stick have an arcade ping for that? It can, yeah. indeed. Yeah, it's a lovely little thing. Uh, I'll, put, I'll put some uh, show note pictures on there so everyone can actually have a look at it. But that's what it sounds like. That's what little clicky clicky switches and buttons sound like. That's really good. Works really well. Uh, I even put a little LED on it to make mm, it look LED. old school, a LED. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've also been doing some stuff in the arcade because my attempts at 1942 weren't as um, good as yours, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> we knew that anyway. Uh, I've been cleaning out the Asteroids Mini I've got, dusting off stuff, removing rust off bolts, that sort of stuff. Missing parts are on their way. 
Uh, thanks to Gainer, she's going to send them to me. Awesome. Also, I did a few weeks ago, a week ago, sorry, I did a Player Missile Atari podcast draft with a bunch of other podcasters. Oh. That was quite fun. We still oh. chose about five games to talk about, our favourite Atari 8-bit games. And there was another load of uh, podcasters doing their own five uh, five games. It was a lot of fun. Real good. That's um, that's Rob McCullen's pop- podcast, isn't it? McMullen, M- yeah. McMullen, yeah. sorry, yes. yeah. I always say McCullen as well. Oh. Yeah, it was real fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Hopefully, I will do it again one day. Mm. Oh, Death Race news. (laughs) Death Race (laughs) is working. Game system operational. I have been playing it. Ah, brilliant. The only thing is, it's really, really dang loud. Yes. I think on on the PCB, which is huge and old, it's ancient, there's a load of um, volume pots on there for the different sounds. Because it's a, it can be a two-player game, you've got a separate speaker for each player. It's not stereo, but each player's got a separate speaker. So, yep. you know, the, the, the car sounds and, and the rumbling all sort of comes out of each speaker when you press the accelerator pedal and stuff. And when you run the gremlins over, it squeals out and all that lot. But some of the old pots on there, I think, don't work anymore. And they've gone open. So they're on their loudest, and you can't adjust them. Because when I tried to move them, there was no volume change at all. It was just on its dead loudest, and it's really, really loud. I even woke wife up at one point. She was upstairs <laughs> having a kip in the afternoon. <laughs> I woke her up because of rumbling and squealing. <laughs> um, but what I have done is I've in line with the speakers, not the pots on the board, I put um, a potentiometer, a volume pot on there, and I could turn it up. And I found the best pot for the best sort of a range of adjustment in volume. And it works fine. So what I've actually done, and it's on the show notes with the picture of the actual machine working, is I made a little volume control panel and engraved a Scullington on it yes. uh, with left volume and right volume. And I put that in there and I wire that up. And I was going to do that this morning, but things didn't happen as well as I wanted to do. I would have actually got Death Race finished today. Mm-hmm. Everything would have been finished on it. The back door would have been on. It would have worked. The volumes are all set so I can turn it down and actually play it. I've been playing it with the sound off, and it's a real fun little game. All, yeah. all the um, the lever works perfectly. The steering works really well. Um, the foot pedals work. I was really pleased when I actually got it together the other day, and it all works. It's cool. Mm. The only thing that bugs me a little bit that needs to be addressed sooner or later is the screen. You cannot adjust it to the left, and it's about an inch or two off. Yeah. And it needs to be adjusted. And when I tried to move the pot that on the on the monitor that adjusts it, I could adjust it to the right loads, but I couldn't adjust it to the left. It won't let me go. It only goes so far and it stops. You can't do it. So there must be an adjustment or maybe it needs a cap kit. I don't know on the, on the monitor. Something simple needs doing, but it's not a killer. I still play it okay. Why don't you just shift your cab to the left a couple of inches? I How can do, but the, the monitor will move with it, you bearded fool. Oh, will it? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. Worth a try, though. But I've put a picture of like the screen grab of it. Uh, I killed mm. 16 gremlins on that game, but my best so far is 19 gremlins on a single-player game. I think the world record's 23. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's not very wow. high. But they're, they're sneaky little buggers. They, they, when you play it, I'm, I'm going to do a video of it and put the video on, on the links for our show notes as well. I'm going to get wife to video me playing it, so everyone will be able yeah. to look at that. And I've also put a picture of the rather cool aluminium volume control panel I made as well. Scullington. Scullingtons. It's real fun, that. As I, like, I like that a lot. It came out really well. How do you do that engraving stuff? Oh, it's because um, I'm a CNC miller. I work on a yeah. CNC mill. You can, on the CAD program we use, you can actually uh, import a, a picture. So I just went on the internet, found a skull, an evil-looking skull. You import it, and it traces it onto the CAD program. And you turn yeah. it into geometry, and you can get a cutter 
to actually engrave it out. It's simple. Oh, and it it writes the program for you and everything. So you put it in a machine, you set it all up, let it go, and it engraves it for you. That is good, yeah. It sounds simpler than it actually is, but I've been doing it for a long time, so it is simple to me. Mm. I've also put the light box at the back with the bezel at the back with the artwork on it has got a light behind it, like a marquee would on a normal cab. Yeah. And the light in this one has ne- hasn't been connected because it's a 120-volt one, and we use 240 volts in the UK. Yeah. And if I plugged it in, it would blow it up because 240 volts into 120 does not go. Mm. So what I've done is I've left that alone. I don't want to use a tube light because they run quite hot and it actually ruins the artwork. It takes the, the paint off the back of it after Does a while. It? Yeah, you've got to be careful with it. I don't want to ruin it because it has some scrapes and bumps in it, which I can sort of hopefully paint over because the back is painted white. So you get a good glow through it from the light. So yeah. I'm going to repaint and I'll put a shot of paint over the back of it. And what I'm going to do is leave the light alone, not at- attach it, but I'm gonna, I've actually stuck on some LED strips I bought from eBay. I think it was about four quid for five meters, these really, really bright white LED strips, and you can snip them off every three. So you can yeah. have as long as you like. And what I've done, I've done two strips on there stuck onto the light, and it just goes to 12 volts, which goes off the switching supply, which is, they, they run really, they run cold. They don't run hot at all. They're only tiny little things, and they're really, really bright. So basically, it's modding the light. So you've got yeah. a nice bright light off 12 volts, and it doesn't get hot, so it doesn't ruin your artwork. So that looks quite nice. Mm. Uh, our friend Ollie Muddy Music has been beavering away on a Repro screen bezel for it because it's very, very scratched, my one. It's absolutely knackered, and it's really faded as well. And the artwork had been dumped. Someone had actually, they'd scanned it before and touched it all up, and he's touched it all up more, and he's, he's done a lot of work to it, and he's getting it printed on very, very thin plastic for me. So what I need to do is get another piece of plastic for the screen bezel to put behind it. Yeah. And I'm also going to put some tinted Perspex over the screen to hide the massive scratches on there. Yeah. Well, I think a bear had attacked it at one point. He's got some yeah. really big scratches in the screen. I don't know how the heck they'd scratched glass like that, but there's some really big scratches in it. But when I put a piece of tinted Perspex I had sort of spare over it to have a look, it hides it completely. It makes the screen look better. It makes the screen look blacker. So you just turn the brightness up a little bit, and you get a completely black and white screen. It looks really, really nice. Mm. So well when done. I get those bits, I'll order the Perspex up, and the back door, and the volume, and that'll be it. The machine will be finished. Done. Done. And I can get on with the jet fighter then. I'll have to come down and have a go at a go of it. When yeah, let me get jet fighter going, all. and then you can play mm. jet fire, asteroids, and that. All mm. old black and white games. How cool is that? Awesome. Mm-mm. So I'm really pleased with that. Uh, also, my wife's been on the case, because we're going to Madrid next week for a sort of long weekend. Another one? Yeah, you, yeah. You've just been to Stockholm in Japan, haven't you? I didn't go to Japan, unfortunately. We went to Stockholm. No. Was it Stockholm went to? Somewhere Copenhagen, in Denmark. Copenhagen, Denmark. Yes, yes, That's we went in there. Japan. No. Yeah, probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, yes, we're going to Madrid for a few days. It's only like a cheapy break thing. And she's been on the case on Twitter and found some retro shops in Madrid. Ooh. There's also um, a big, like a flea market thing on the Saturday. They're going to be there. So hopefully get some bargains there, some arcade related stuff or console stuff there. And she's found an arcade as well. Whee! <laughs> Yay. All I've got to do in return is follow around some food festivals. That'd be really mm. bad for me, wouldn't it? Just follow around eating. Mm. Mm, so nice. good. I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to that. Mm, sounds and good. That's about it, I think. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Right. So, yeah, let's do the next bit. Let's get on to some arcade news from around the world and local areas. Yes, well, 
in the local news, well, in the news all over Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, it is common knowledge that last Friday, mm-hmm. the 22nd of May, Pac-Man was 35 years old. He was indeed. So there was hundreds of posts and little things, and also someone's done a Pac-Man text adventure. Yes, they have. I had a go of it. It's really stupid, but it's quite fun. I had a go, yeah. I'll put the link on our show notes. People have a go at that. It's really silly, but it's quite fun. I got to the fourth. It's like a multiple choice thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The ghosts are chasing left or right. You click mm-hmm. right, and it says, are you sure you want to go right again? Yeah, and then yeah. you're dead. Yeah. So what do you think of that, pack? <laughs> yeah, thought so. Happy birthday anyway, though. <laughs> Right, uh, DLF hacker AJ Hipple, Dragon's mm-hmm. Lair forum hacker AJ Hipple, has got dragons, not dragons, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong 2. A dragon and a donkey are very similar beasts, I imagine. Uh, yeah. He's, got, he's put them in the same cab yep. with the added Pauline hack in it, so you can switch between the two in a nice Nintendo cab. Yeah. And he's taking it to the Eurocade thing in September. I'm Ooh. not sure. Where is that Eurocade? Where is it? I've got a feeling it's in Belgium. Mm. Uh, two things about this little article. Uh, yes. Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong 2 are switchable in a cab. That's always been the case. If you've got is an it? add-on. Yeah, I've got it. Ah, in my right. What it is, if you, when you buy the high score kit from, I think it's a Braze uh, kit, you get them in various places in America. It's only a little kit. It's quite cheap. It's worthwhile getting to save your high scores. Yeah. But there's also another add-on, a chip add-on you can buy for it, and you put this ROM on there, and it gives you, when you hold down one and two player starts for about two seconds, it swaps over to DK2, the, the hacked version with the extra levels, yeah. and it saves scores for both players. But this one does the same thing. I'm not sure if it's the same hardware or not, but you get to play as the Pauline edition, yeah, which is really cool. Uh, I think you can play Pauline on DK2, which was never available. No one's ever done that until now. So well done to AJ Hipple. That's great news. I love the hacks. It also, is, yeah. Eurocade, I think Alex, Chucky Egg, is going to that. I must, I must find out what's going on with that, because I would like to go to that. I think it's in September. Yeah, September on our notes. So mm. I might plan to go to that, because yeah, a, uh, a lot of the DLF friends are going to be on there. I'd like to meet Bruno. That'd be quite cool. And some of the other guys yeah. there. would be really cool. Yeah, it'd be a nice, a nice lunch a, time out, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just nip over there in our lunch breaks. Yeah. Um, this some very disturbing news now. This, no, is, a ni- this is a nineteen forty two themed podcast. It is, and so everyone's gone mad on it yep. because they're copying us, aren't they? Oh yeah. Or it could just be coincidence. Yes. Yeah. Some nasty UK vac hackers <laughs> have butchered butchered the beautiful nineteen forty two in game music, which is very effective. It's simple and effective. Little bursts of music, loads of bullets. Music bullets. When so you say what- when you say. Uh, effective, you yes. actually mean annoying and grainy and gritty. No. Well, it sounds like a German typewriter that's fell down some <laughs> stairs while chewing aluminium. That's <laughs> what actually... their sound sounds. It's awful. And what they've done is these talented guys on the UK VAC forum, Minoir yeah. has done it. Uh, the, the user Minoir has done these sounds. And he's actually changed the music on 1942 to 633 Squadron. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. I'll put it on a ROM... I got the ROM and put it on main, and it does it really well. It just works so much nicer. It's really cool. And I will probably burn the ROM and put it on Sandy's board for me. He has asked me to do it, so we'll do that for him. Well, it's not good enough, because if you listen to the, <laughs> the whistles and the beeps and the typewriter, if you actually slow it down in audacity, reverse it, yeah, and then listen message. to it, it's a message from God about the meaning of life. And aeroplanes. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, so, thi- I think you may be misguided there from your love of 1942. Uh, could be a little bit, yeah. They've yeah. also they were also talking about trying to sort out the high score bug, which we will talk about later on. Yes, and also a free play mod for it. Mm. I think it's absolutely mesmerising how these guys are clever enough to go into the code of a, a 25, 30 year old arcade game, monkey about with it, and change things on it for the better. You know, sorting out a bug, maybe putting a free play in because you know we've yeah. got cabs nowadays. You want to put coins in your own cab? You can put free play mods on there, and a lot of the free play settings on some of the old PCBs they do have them. They'll just put a static screen on, saying press one player or two player start. They won't have the um, the attract mode going. Yes. And what that does, if you leave that for a long time in an arcade, like Arcade Club, for instance, or, you know, Replay Event or whatever like that, it'll actually burn that image into the screen. That's where you get screen burn from, from having the same image on the screen for long periods of time. But if the attract mode is playing the game, you know, the computer's playing the game, but you just press one player start to start, that's great. And that's yeah. what these guys are doing. Yeah, 1942 does that. If There's a dip switch, and if you put it to free play, it just starts up with two credits. So you yes. can press one or two I did players. that on the one I've got. Yeah, yeah, it did. But then it just stays there, so it's not. Mm. It's no good for your screen, is it? No, not at all. Another bit of news. Um, there's a company called Small Cab in France. They've made a new pass-through jammer adapter to allow a jammer PCB to be played on a SCART TV. Mm. Now, American listeners, yes. you won't know what a SCART TV is. Or you may do, but you haven't got them. Uh, SCART TV is, it was a European thing, wasn't it? It's a standard we used quite a few years ago before, um, HD came out. And it was yeah. a plug you put in and it allowed, uh, normal AV composite, but also allowed RGB inputs into a TV and sound. And this thing here, cause an arcade machine uses RGB, red, green, blue, sync and ground. This thing's actually got a SCART cable on it. So instead of hacking your own cable to go into a SCART TV, which are great for arcade machines, because that's all a, an arcade monitor is, is a TV without a tuner in it. Yeah. This thing's actually got a really neat-looking SCART plug on it. You just plug your SCART plug in, back in the TV, and you've got an arcade on your TV. Brilliant. I might even buy one of these, because it's a lot neater option than hacking your own cable, which is a bit yeah. ugly. And it's really nice. Uh, so I've put that on the show notes as well. Really nice-looking thing, actually. It's quite a, quite cool. ArcAid 3, which I think we both agreed on we are going to. Yes, we are. In, at the Cambridge Computer Museum. Yep. Uh, that is nearly upon us, 13th of June. Mm. So we need to work out what we're going to do there. I think we're going to do a quiz or something, weren't we? Um, maybe. Um, maybe record a cook- it. I always fancied to do a cooking, dem- <laughs> cooking demonstration. So you can bring your pots and pans. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good, that, wouldn't it? You can do. Yeah. I had a shake of 1942, a yeah. soup song of Pac-Man. <laughs> Maybe. Well, we'll have to work out what we're going to do. We'll have to talk about that and what we're going to do. And we'll, we'll probably record it and we'll do some notes. I don't know. We'll have to sort something out. We will do something there and we'll play some games as well, which would be quite cool. Yeah, excellent. Oh, and after that, the exact week after that, yes. Nerg is upon us. <laughs> I can't wait for Nerg. It's going to be great. Yeah. really is. I'm getting quite excited. I've got my train tickets. I've paid for those. Uh, yep. Our hotel's sorted out. Yeah. I actually printed out my Nerg weekend ticket the other day. Because usually when I get to the d- date of a, an event, I'll be scrabbling around looking for my email of me, me tickets. And I usually find, I've got an email people and say, can I have another ticket? I've lost the old one. I've actually yeah. printed it out and sat in front of my computer waiting to go. I bought my tickets. I was so impressed with last year. I bought my tickets as I left last year. Cause oh, I was really? Them. Yeah. Oh, nice one. Yeah. So I'd it's... probably lose them if I did that. Uh, yeah, I've lost them, but I've, I've, I've got them. You found them again, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. 
the guy who made Vector Pilot, we keep going on and on and on about because it's an amazing game, a guy called Christoph, has a bunch, I noticed on his site, has a bunch of other arcade Vectrex port planned. Yes. So he's doing a load of Vectrex games, arcade games. Uh, they include Vector Patrol, which is obviously a Moon Patrol, which is, I love Moon Patrol. Uh, Vector Hopper, which is a Cuba, favourite of yours. Yeah. yeah. He's in Vectrus, which is a port of Gyrus. Hopefully that'll yeah. have the groovy music from Gyrus. That'd be really good. Mm. And also Vectorian, which is Zirian. Yeah. Uh, he's already released Vector Pilot and Vectrexians. Cool name. And I've already told wife I want Vector Pilot for birthday. So hope I've given all the details to get it. Hopefully she'll get it for me. I'm looking forward to that. Did I tell you about, I don't know if when I was explaining it last time, about the different control methods you can use on Vector Pilot? No, you didn't. Tell me. You've, you've got the standard stick on your Vectrex, so you can, you yeah. know, uh, spin the guy around gyrus style. Yeah. But you've also got the, the one and two buttons on the controller rotate left and right like asteroids. Oh, I get it. So you can just rotate the guy left and right. And once you get you need, used it? to it, yeah, once you get used to it, it could actually be an improvement maybe on the original yeah. controls yeah, you told me a little while ago that, that that game has got an extra level I didn't know it that because I only yeah. had a quick go of it when I, when I had a go of it at the last Arcade event I was at uh, someone bought in to, for me to have a look at and I, I fell in love with it I love the game that's why I'm going to get it I've got to get it got to get it got to get it mm. and I was playing I was so blown away by it but then I found out that it had high score save it had extra music it had little hidden easter eggs it had an extra level for goodness sake Extra ships. Extra ships you can unlock. Oh, it's brilliant. He's, he's improved it no end. And the game was brilliant anyway. Yeah. He beat me at it. Hmm. <laughs> yes, that's pretty cool. Yes, also. Right, this is interesting. Have you heard of Polybius? I certainly have, because I'm an arcade nerd. Of course yeah. I've heard of Polybius. Polybius was an arcade game that was said to have briefly appeared in several arcades around the Portland, Oregon area in the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. People who claim to have played the game, or in most cases know someone who did, say the machine caused a number of side effects ranging from anxiety and depression to night terrors, suicide and even death. Boom, boom, boom. So there is now a Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, there's, been, there's been loads of silly stories, you know, the CIA yeah. trying to control kids in the 80s. It's a great story. Yeah. Uh, and there's a Kickstarter going on to make a film about it, yeah. which is hilarious. I've actually seen on pictures... Some arcades have made a mock-up Polybius game. Yeah. Uh, and it looks quite fun, actually. And the whole idea of this silly arcade evil going on is really cool. So hopefully that'll be quite fun. There'd be a good horror film in that, wouldn't there? I Some think so, yeah, yeah. I'm sure like there's the got to be. or something. Hmm, the poltergeisty thing coming out of the screen. Talking of Tempest. Were we? No. There is a Tempest 2000. Some guy's made Tempest 2000. He's put it in a Tempest cab. Yeah, this is a Jaguar game. Yeah. Oh, if the Americans know what I'm talking about, Jaguar. So the artwork is really cool on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I looked at the cab. Actually, I looked at all the notes uh, you you put in. And he's. I, I'm not sure if he's... I don't think he's got an original one, so no one can moan at him for that. He's made his own cab of, of Tempest, but he's put like a, an extra logo with 2000 on it. And he's actually put on the control panel, he's put the little th digit pad, which is on a, on a Jaguar controller. And it looks really, really neat. He's done a really, really nice job of it. And I think yeah. that, that game is brilliant anyway. It's, it's one of the best games on the Jaguar. Also, a guy called Hatster, I think's in Spain, on the UK VAC forum, has found a place that refurbs hotels. And they've got 200 20-inch TVs going spare. They've obviously ripped these old CRT TVs out of the hotels and replaced them with these knackered 
flat screen rubbish and we're all hoping that the tubes that you can get hold of will be compatible with arcade monitor chassis because that's all they are but you've got to have yeah. the right tube for the right chassis there is there are ways of adapting them but some of them are just plug and play you just take off the old tube put yeah. your chassis on there and you've got a brand new tube because these right. these TVs never got screen burn whereas an yeah. arcade game you know burn that image on there all the time as we talked about earlier yeah. they've got the the screen burn but that's a, a great way of making a new screen for your cab because they're getting quite scarce now Mm, so there is a way to kind of convert them that is quite easy then that's what i was wondering ish if you if you have to use the yoke which goes around the neck of the tube you've got to take the yoke off the old chassis and put the old tube and put it on the new one that is a bit of a pain that's how i ruined my dig dug mom at that time you've got to line them up properly you've got to muck about with it but sometimes the yoke that's already on a a tv tube is compatible with a chassis plug it straight on off you go Uh a lot of them i think there's lists on certain forums or if you look on the web you can probably find lists of certain tvs and their their serial numbers or the model numbers of ones that will work with certain chassis so you might get i don't know you might get a sharp tube that'll work yep. with, say, a Hantrax chassis or, uh, you know, a Wells Gardener chassis. It'll tell you which ones work with which. So if you were lucky oh. enough to find that tube and you've got that chassis, Bob's your uncle. Cool. Brilliant. Okay, that's the arcade news done. Let's do a few pickups. Have you got any pickups? Loads. Oh, go on then. One. Oh, go on then. It, it was kind of a gimme last night. Yep. Uh, thanks to Mr. Dave Otto, he was listening to a previous podcast we did a while back, and we were talking about Forbidden Planet, the movie. Oh, yeah. Right. And I did say on the podcast, apparently, that, oh, I'm going to have to get that DVD, and I never did. Yeah. And he said last night, he said, did you get that DVD? I said, no, mate. And he's given me the DVD. What a star. Look, listeners. Indeed. Holds it up to webcam. He does. Forbidden Planet with Leslie Nielsen on the front. Yeah. That's when he's all serious with dark hair. Yeah, it's a brilliant film. It's just, it's classic. It's kind of, it reminds me of the 50s, even though I wasn't there (laughs) somehow. It reminds you of somewhere you weren't. Yeah. I I actually went to see that at the the BFI, British Film Institute, on the big screen. It was brilliant. Really, really cheesy old film. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It is. I'd love to see it on on a big screen, yeah. It was really good. That's what the the BFI is great for. They do a lot of old stuff on there. They rerun stuff. We've yeah. got a Marilyn Monroe season coming up soon, and I'm going to go and see um, Prince and the Showgirl on my birthday. Oh, very which nice. Which will be awesome. I do like a bit of Marilyn Monroe. Have they got Stallone and Cobra, the classic? No, and they never will have. Oh, that's a shame. My pickups, I've had a few, actually. Yes. Bobby Idod, who's a really cool dude, uh, repaired the SD to IEC, the Commodore 64 disk drive emulator, that I broke. Yeah. Uh, and he used a bunch of spare bits. He, he sort of Frankensteined a load of bits together. He made the thing work, which is really? great. Really cool. So I'll probably give that to Vic because he's got a Commodore 64 and he's playing games off tapes. And nobody wants to do that, do they? In this day <laughs> Not anymore. We don't, Not anymore. I, I don't hank about, oh, I wish I could wait 10 minutes for a tape to load. And then when it loads, it doesn't actually work. I'd really miss that, me. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll sort him out with that. Next time I, I, I hopefully meet up with Vic one day or get him to send his Commodore 64 me and I shall mod it right up for him. Right up, Sam. <laughs> Put some reset buttons on it and all that sort of stuff for the, this little disk drive and then fill a load of games on an SD card for him so he can play that. Also had a 1942 PCB uh, sent to me by the lovely Sarge Silverfox. Only on loan, though, just while we play this game. And I'll probably mod it for him, like he asked, uh, to put that music on, to put the yep. better music on it for him. 
Also, I got a five meter string of white LEDs, which I talked about on the Death Race um, resto, which I only used to use the old marquee lot tube light. I might do it on a few of my other cabs, actually, because I'm not sure if the Asteroids tube light works yet, because it's often the thing that goes, and they're quite hard to find, these little tubes. And they're usually a weird voltage, usually American voltage or whatever. Yeah. Because where the cab goes from 240 volts to usually 120-odd for the monitor inside with a, a an ISO transformer, that's what usually goes to the tube lights. So you can use American tubes. And they're, they're very difficult to find in the UK, or probably even in America now, because everything's LED and, you know, sort of uh, green lights, all this sort of stuff. So I'll probably put one on there as well to, you know, sort of make that a bit better. Still waiting for the Asteroid Bits. Hopefully it should be about Wednesday, which will be cool. And that's about it for me, old chum. Mm-hmm. Not too much going on. I've been doing a lot of work in there, but not so much stuff arriving for it. So, yeah, that's cool. Let's get on and do our favourites. A bit of feedback. Yes. We have some feedback from Neil1637. He's put, Woohoo, loved the last two podcasts. Epic fail on my Lunar Rescue high score attempt. Me too. Those scores were getting extremely high, some of them guys. They were. They depressed yeah. me a little bit. My rubbish score. I think I was about you know, fifth or sixth or something. It wasn't very good. I'm beginning to think where we're opening these our contest, we're now opened it up to everybody and beginning to think... It was a mistake, wasn't it? It might be a bad idea because it's showing yeah. us off a bit, isn't it? I thought it was bad enough having you on the podcast beating <laughs> me, but with everyone else, it's just depressing, isn't it? <laughs> Ian Ski. Yes. I believe the first time I played this game, this Lunar Rescue again, was mm-hmm. on a cocktail in a pub. Played so many games this way. Yes. I always thought the Invader talking during the attract screen, talking... Ah, oh, yeah, he moves his mouth, doesn't he? Yeah, you get a little yeah. word bubble coming up. That was awesome. I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out if I was always crap at games, have got better or worse. He doesn't know. Current high score was 3,900. He crawls away in shame. I think he should have that score. More practice mm-hmm. required. He'll have a few more plays and see how he does. Mm-hmm. And happy birthday to him. For... Yes, his birthday yesterday. Yesterday, happy birthday. He was 950 years old. That is, uh, that's like Yoda, isn't it? Probably, probably wasn't that old. Nez for life, Phil. Really enjoyed Lunar Rescue. He got a surprising amount of depth out of the game once you get into it. Yeah. Just listen to it, uh, our podcast. Very good, lads. Really enjoyed listening to Sean's Playback Ball Diary. I got so wrapped of it and during my cycle to the station, he couldn't actually recollect the journey. It's a bit mm. dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> during the train commute, he played more of Lunar Rescue while he discussed it. I'll definitely be doing that again with the future podcast games. Thanks again. Cool. Excellent. Chucky Egg, great podcast guys. Enjoyed Sean's interview and Vic's pickups. Mm-hmm. Made my day very enjoyable. Cool. He was responsible for a pickup, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve Erickson, hi guys. Discovered your podcast a few episodes ago. Nice to find another UK retro gaming podcast and really enjoying the show. Looking forward to listening to more. Keep up the great work. Steve from the Restor Asylum. Ah, another fellow podcaster. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Alpha One, great podcast guys. Um, it's on about the Lunar Rescue. Oh, yes, because he owns one of these, doesn't he? He does. There yeah, were two Lunar Rescue uprights. The black and white version is the same shape as Space Invaders upright mm-hmm. with a large all-in-one marquee bezel. This is the one he had at Revival that we were all playing. Yes. The other, which is on the flyer you have shown, is the colour version. Ah, right. Okay. Taito at this time started making colour versions of some of the games, and that's where the small marquee and sloped colour monitor versions come from. Ah, I see. That's why the PCBR used to own was a colour version, I think. Mm. Ah, okay. 
Taito had created quite a lot of cabinets in this era with the striped art you speak of. Mm. They had colour side art stickers that would be put on by operators to create a more colourful and attractive cabinet. Okay. Sadly, most of these stickers haven't survived as they appear to have hardly ever been put on. Mm. I suppose uh, in, in arcades, all the cabs were next to each other, so you probably didn't see the artwork. They probably didn't bother. It wasn't no. worthwhile doing, was it? Yeah. And it's put, trivia fact, they made a Colour Space Invaders Part 1. It is hideously rare. I only oh. know of one, and that is in Australia. Hmm. A bit far for us to go to play that. Oh, and he says, uh, a bit of advice from my terrible jingle. <laughs> yeah. Wayback jingle. How about using the Wayne's World one? Yeah. Oh, I think we've used that as a sample before on there, actually. Have we? Yeah, yeah. He's put, P.S. I didn't beat my 11,900 score, not because I can't, I can, but because I didn't get a chance to play again. Ah, oh, he says that. Yeah, he, he says, says that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'd love to see some crazy balloons. Oh, no, the game. Crazy balloon in future. No, it's just balloons being crazy. That's what he yeah. likes to see. Uh, crazy crazy balloon is a very hard game to play. I know. Yeah. Mm, don't know about that. Nice. Uh, hooray, banana. Eric, great podcast again, guys. Did only get to have two games, but 1942 is not good for his RSI. So unfortunately, you won't be playing that. Yeah, fair enough. You don't want to hurt your fingers playing that. As for games that should have been in the arcades, I nominate Spin Dizzy by Paul Shirley. Oh, that was a good game. Yeah. Awesome game and awesome programmer. The Amstrad version was the best version, fact. Mm, don't believe that. Not bad on the snares later, but lost something for me. I'm currently in the process of ensuring that a version does exist on arcade hardware. Ooh, he's another one of these clever boffins doing arcade hardware. Yeah, it's amazing. Put, oh, Spin Dizzy on an arcade cab, that'd be awesome. Mm. Uh, although, I'm targeting Pac-Man hardware just to make it a little bit more impossible to code. <laughs> he likes a challenge. Should have something to show in a couple of weeks, hopefully. I'll be calling it Spin Pack Dizzy. I like that. Yes. Once I've proved it can be done on Pac-Man hardware, I'll be moving on to the Taito L system, thanks to Aid. But that's in the future. To put together something more comprehensive, I also second Ol's Crazy Balloon Caress. Oh, stop doing that. If they put it more than twice, we've got to do it, haven't we? <laughs> Doll. Embarrassingly, I cannot remember what Spin Dizzy is. I it's can remember a bit the like name. Marble Madness, but you you have a little sort of um, the character is not a ball. He's like a sort of spinning triangle. Oh, yeah, it was a really good little game. I had it on the Spectrum yeah. as well. I think he came out on the, all the eight bits. I think Spectrum, Amstrad, Commodore sixty four, and all that sort of stuff. It is a good little game. It's like an isometric sort of level, a sort of bumpy level, and you've got to get certain goals and stuff. It's really cool. Mm. Yeah, there was a few of those kind of Marvel Madnessy games, you know, with a sort of bumpy terrain where you move a a ball or a character and you've got to spin it around. It'd be a great game for trackball. Mm. Really, really cool that would be. Yeah. Uh, we have some feedback from QED. Great podcast, guys. He's doing a shameless bit of double advertising. I used the podcast as a soundtrack to my 650,000-point attempt on Mr. Do. 650K or bust, he's put. Yep. That's, that's a big score. I watched a little Huge. bit of that, actually, and you could hear us. It was on Twitch TV, and you've got to have a little app to do that, I think, to watch it. And it, I think you can actually stream live videos. A lot, yeah. a lot of the, the decent players, I think like um, John Studley on Pac-Man, they, they stream their Twitch games, and you can actually watch yeah. them live playing a game. I think the Donkey Kong Kong-Offs did it a little while ago as well. They played Donkey Kong live. So you can watch their their, um, their progress as they're playing. But the only problem is, if you're watching someone play in America, they've got the time difference, so you've got to be up at 2 o'clock in the morning to watch them play or something, which is a bit yeah. of a pain. Uh, Andrew Hannay, I know that name from somewhere. Hi, chaps. Really beginning to like your show. It's odd, though, because it sounds like I'm listening to Steve Merchant and Carl Pilkington. 
which we did at the start of the show. You can work out who sounds like who. I would love for you to try out Irem's Image Fight. It's a totally awesome game with great power-ups. Keep up the great work, Andrew. Mm. We'll, I will try it out, definitely. Mm. Uh, Pac-Man 83, Mr. Studley. Yep. Great work, guys. Sean, I knew you'd want to have a chat with Martin. That's Martin Bedard, the 1942 legend. Great guy and an awesome gamer. He was. It, we had a really good chat throughout the day, actually. Yeah. Um, I expect he could be your best man in the future. Mm, could be. Yeah. <laughs> Cine Steve. Love that name still. Another great listen, gents. Agree with everything you said about Lunar Patrol. Very easy and painful at first, but completely refused to save state and start from the third screen. I did score 12,400. That's sort of my territory. But didn't post it when I heard people getting 20k plus. You must post them. It's no problem. I was like a sulking child. And how someone could go up to nearly 300,000, which is the world record, is crazy stuff. Uh, Steve goes on to talk about his Turtles main cab and is also trying to play 1942 on something decent. Uh, I did mention to him, I think it's on Facebook, uh, about his Turtles cab. Uh, he should burn it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 don't burn it. Chop it with an axe first, burn it, and then throw it in the sea, and buy yourself yeah. a decent jammer cab. I may have something against Turtles cabinets. Possibly. Oh. Ugly looking things. But it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, Steve. Just play the games. It's cool. But he said Lunar Patrol. Does he mean Lunar Rescue? Lunar Rescue, yes. I think he's getting Patrol yeah. confused with Moon Patrol and Lunar Rescue. Yes. It'd be quite a good game, Lunar Patrol. Yeah. No. You could have the little car from the other game, which I've got. I can game. hear your brain moving and trying to work out what you're talking about, but it's not working, is no, it? No, no. Do the last we, bit of feedback, you. We can put that bit in later, and it was, I'll sound really clever. I won't. Okay, then. Synonym 9 agrees with us that Mortal Kombat 10 mm-hmm. is unreasonably brutal. He's talking about it when I saw it at the yeah. back cave of the week. Mm-hmm. And that gameplay is a bit more lax and is not as challenging as Street Fighter 2. Mm-hmm. He's saying it's not as tight mechanics. No, I don't think for, so. For these fighter people, you know, that makes a lot of difference. But um, They get really technical, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Just playing Street Fighter 4 last night, mm-hmm. and it amazes me how fast it's... If you look at... There was Street Fighter 2 behind us, me and Tony yeah. Doyle playing it, and then you turn around and play Street Fighter 4, and the difference... I know there's 20 years difference in the games, yeah, yeah. but the difference in speed... Yeah, Street Fighter 2 crawls along. But yeah. back in the day, when they had Street Fighter 2, they brought out, I think, the turbo version. You could choose how fast you wanted to play the game, and it speeded up quite considerably then as well. Yeah, but yeah absolutely. Yeah, uh, I- I do have respect for people that can play those fighters well because it, it's mm. not button mashing. It's it's an art form, I think. Yeah, it's very, very quick thinking and, and getting yeah. the, the signal from your brain to those you know, roundhouse, uh, left, right, up, down, roundabout buttons in one go to hit, pull off a move. And then while you're pulling that move off, get the next one in your brain to your fingers to do the, the follow-up move and then blocking and everything all at the same time is very, very skillful. I haven't got the mm. skills. I just button mash. I do try and do a few moves I know are good, but yeah. I can't remember them all because each character's got different moves and different ways of pulling that move off. And you, if you do a certain move when your opponent does a certain move, you can counter. And, oh, it's very complicated, very technical. A lot, of th- a lot of thinking goes into it, I think. The best move I do on them is get up and go and play something else with less buttons. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I concur. Uh, Hannes, sitting in a non, goes on to say he found tons of fighter on his his raid last August and he didn't take a single one. No. Much of a muchness, I think they are. Yeah. And that's it for the feedback. Some shout outs. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Sarge Silverfox for providing us with a nice Steam key for a competition prize. I think we'll do that next show. Uh, he bought a game, and for a few pounds more, he got a load of Steam keys. So he's given us one of those to give away for competition. We'll have a really, really stupidly easy question. Yeah. Uh, people can write in, but we'll do that in two weeks' time, I think, because I haven't got them yet. Also, for lending me his 1942 PCB, even though I've not played it very much, because I'm rubbish at it. Um, <laughs> so I can lose to you on proper hardware, not just MAME. Yeah. <laughs> He's also, I gave him a load of boards, if you remember, to fix if he could, just have a go at them. And he's fixed the sound of my frogger already. He sorted it right oh, out. Okay. It's just a pot on it, apparently. So his um his diagnostic skills are a lot better than mine. Mm, you get the the real bassy boom when you die. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant sounds. I uh, wonder if Frogger did invent the drum and bass sub bass boom boom. I'm sure it was a frog that invented drum and drum and bass. I'm sure mm, of it. Could have been. And then told Goldie all about it. I think. Yeah, could have been. Rob McMullen for inviting myself and the other Atarians to do a multi-host Atari games draft on his Atari Player Missile podcast. The other guys involved were Kevin Savitz from the Antic podcast, Ray Rutkowski from the Inverse Atari podcast, and Jack Nutting from the Retro Computing Roundtable. Mm, I can't wait to hear this because it was fun. It, it was good. Yeah, I really like them. I may not. I, I may know some of the games. I would imagine from the Commodore sixty four if they were on it. Definitely. But it's always a good listen that podcast. Yeah, uh, in, in the US, um, the Atari eight bits and Commodores were very very popular. I know the Atari eight bit wasn't too popular in the UK. Yeah, uh, and not many people I knew had them. I, I had one, obviously. So a, a lot of the older Commodore 64 games came out on the Atari as well, but usually on disc. That's why I never had them. I only ever had cassettes. Yeah. I want to give a shout-out to Paul and Phil from the Maximum Power-Up podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave us loads of shout-outs on theirs because it was a, the Play Blackpool one. It seems to be going from strength to strength, their podcast. The last one was the best, I think. Yeah. It's uh, interviewed Phil from Nerg. They got Phil before we did. They did, the cheeky blighters, but <laughs> that's absolutely fine. I did Phil last year before, before yeah. Nerd came along, and hopefully we'll go out for a, a drink or whatever with Phil and these two guys as well, uh, the Phil, yeah. Phil, and Paul. Yeah, Phil, oh, that'll be uh, confusing, won't it? Phil 1 and Phil 2, I think we'll call them. Big Phil. Big Phil, little Phil. Yeah. I've never seen Phil, I don't know if he's little or not, he might be huge. No, he's not that little, but Big Phil will be taller than him. Absolutely. Uh, we've also got to give a Minwa, uh, the guy Minwa, uh, and Sea Monkey for their hacking awesomeness in 94. They're going to get one of these. Well done, guys. Well, they have achieved know. the impossible by making new music on an old arcade game. How how did they do that? It's brilliant. Uh, technical skill, yeah, 10 out of 10. But for butchering, the 1942 <laughs> music. The, the horrible blips and whistles and blech, horrible music on 94. I've played it so much, but them, them whistles actually mean something now. They do. Are you sure? Mm. No. That's it for the shout-outs. What console stroke computer games should have been in the arcades? Right, we have a little cool game that I never knew existed called Balloon Kid on the Game Boy from Ian Cullen on Twitter. Oh, actually, he is our listener of the week. Ping, because he's caught up with all our podcasts and he says, do I get a prize? And I said, well... Got a ping, didn't he? Yeah, ping will do. Yep. Yep. Uh, I like I like the look of this game. You know the little sort of uh, magic smart cards that play ROMs in, in your consoles, like uh, yeah. the EverDrives? And all that. So I've got one for the Game Boy. I think I've got one for the Game Boy Advance, which you can play Game Boy games on. I have to dig it out of the loft. And I have to put this ROM on 
a proper hardware because the game looks amazing. It looks really, really cool. It does look good. When, yeah. it was, when you said it was on the Game Boy, I thought, oh, it's going to be Balloon Fight, the old Nintendo game, which is like Joust, which is brilliant as well. Yeah. But it isn't. You play a little girl for a change, which is nice, whose boyfriend has been blown away with his balloons and you've got to go and rescue him with your balloons. You sort of, it's a right to left scroller. I only watched a bit of the video and you've got to avoid things and you're sort of floating along with the balloons. It looks really cutesy. I really like the look of it. Crazy balloons, even. Crazy balloons, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that is one. I think we should... It's, is it, it's kind of a joust mechanic as well, isn't it, where you press a button to flap, it looks like. I would have thought so, yeah, yeah. yeah. You press one to, to keep kicking your legs to make you float higher yeah. or whatever. That looks really nice. I really like the look of that game. Lesley 70 who plays all the games along with us, mm-hmm. he's, he thinks Saboteur by Durrell. I remember that one. The Spectrum game from 85. Is it as late as 85? Oh, right. Mm. It's... I don't remember. Is it like a kind of a stealthy runner? Yes, thing? it is. You play like a, a saboteur, a ninja type. Yeah. And I watched the video of it again just to refresh my memory of it. And I never liked the game when I was a kid. And it's it's obviously sort of a monochromy type thing. It's Spectrum. And you, you sort of run along. I think you can throw ninja stars and you can, I think you've got to do a mission and then get out at the top of the building with a helicopter or something. And it, from today's, from today's standards and obviously even back then, it's a bit clunky. I noticed yeah. when, when you can do like sort of, you can sort of jump over things and do somersaults and stuff. But when you do a normal jump, the actual graphic of the, the, the sprites are quite big on it for an old 8-bit game. Yeah. The actual guy goes really small when you do a jump and then gets bigger when he lands. It's really odd. It's just bad. That bit is bad. <laughs> but I mean, this, this game had, had a lot of follow. Everyone's probably screaming at their podcast now going, what are you talking? It was brilliant. Yeah. It was a really big game in the time. Everyone went mad over it, I think, because of the size of the sprites for the time, you know. Yeah, the guy uh, was at Revival last year, the the author of oh, okay. Saboteur, weren't he? Yeah, yeah Durrell had a load of games. I think Lotus Esprit was a big one as well. Uh, yeah, very yeah. popular game exactly. of theirs. Yeah. Uh, Synonym 9 says Swords of Sodan on the Amiga. Swords of Sodan. The size of the sprites on this game, mm-hmm. they're, they're taller than half a screen high, yeah, I'd say. They're very big. Yeah, Massive yeah. sprites. It's like a kind of a golden axe slash him up, isn't it? Yeah, I, when I watched the video of it, uh, it's on the Amiga, so they're nice graphics anyway from 91. And it's it's quite a slow game. I think it's a like, left-to-right scroll. It's not quite a go-right-and-have-a-fight game. Yeah. It reminds me of a scrolling Great Gurianos. Have you ever seen Great Gurianos arcade game? They, uh, they had really mass, almost as big as the screen sprites, but it was a really clunky game. I hated the game. And it reminded me of that, but it looks better than Great Gurianos. Mm, I'll have to check that out. But Synonym 9 was also saying, he, he quite liked it. It says at the start, select hero or heroine. And it always, appla- it always appeared to him to say, be a hero or a junkie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that play on words for heroine and heroine, or however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, Cine Steve again has mentioned hero, which we have mentioned before. Yeah, and Kaboom, I- which we mentioned before as well. I think if there's one game that I'd have converted from console to the arcade, it would be Hero, I think. Hero is a great game. I was playing that the other day on my Commodore 64. It's just brilliant. It's good on the Atari, on the Atari 2600. It's really good as well. I know, well. yeah. You wouldn't believe it, would you? But it's really no. playable. And every single version I've ever played, they've kept the same sort of format. And it's great. It's a really cool little game. Really polished little game. Brilliant, brilliant game. Okay, let's have a music- musical interlude, shall we? Yes, this one is Ninja Spirit by Irem, 1988. It's a cool little tune, and while I was recording the tune, I was playing the game a bit, and the game's really good. Is it? Yeah, can we put that on our list? Indeed we can. Guy, you can, you can jump huge jumps. Have we, like, have we played any ninja games yet? 
I don't think we have, have we? Uh, don't think we have. Iron Horse, was they, were they cowboy ninjas? No, they were cowboy cowboys. Uh, no, we haven't then. No, okay, we'll do that. Let's have a listen to this then, shall we? After our musical interlude, let's get on to our feature game review. What is it again? This game is called... Bum, bum, bum. 1972. 1942. Oh, 42, yeah. 72 is the Vietnam one that you keep... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You keep messaging me about 72 instead of 40. <laughs> I think you're doing it to wind me up, aren't you? Yes, Possibly. maybe. Yeah. How I much do you game. love this game? How I much do you it. love it? I do. Lo- In fact, I love it so much that I would like to marry it. Do you, Sean, in your face, Holly, take Gemma Louise Capcom 1942 to be your lawfully wedded cap, to have and to hold for this day forward, for better or worse, for high score or fail, in sickness and in screen burn, till PCB meltdown do you part? I certainly do, Vicar Vic. And do you, Gemma Louise Capcom 1942, take this bully fool to be your lawfully wedded gamer, to have and to hold? From this day forward, for points and for power-ups, for bullets and for bonuses, in swears and in tantrums, till PCB meltdown you part? With this 10p, I thee wed, in them the father and the son and of Nolan Bushnell. Amen. I now pronounce you man and shoot em up. Pure now play the cat. John Holly, what the hell do you think you're doing? Um, sorry, wife. <laughs> okay, <laughs> tell me the name of the game and all that sort of malarkey. <laughs> it's 1942. Capcom. Yep. Uh, Rumstar distributed December 84, so it probably didn't come out till 85, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Williams also licensed it. They did. Uh, I didn't know about this, you know. 
you sent me a picture. I think you posted it up on our Facebook page or Twitter or somewhere. And it was like mm-hmm. a mock-up cab of 1942. Yeah. And it had Williams on. I went, eh? What's he got Williams on? That must be a mistake. But yeah, that, apparently they, they licensed it. That one on our Facebook page, I think, is a modern mock-up of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it ever had that. Well, it didn't have that side art. This is a full-on side art of a plane and stuff, wasn't it, with Williams on it? It looks quite a nice cab, and it looks very similar to a Galaxian cab. So I think someone's probably done some custom artwork um, overlays or something for it. Quite nice, though. The kit was just like um, a a sort of quarter-size side art sticker kind of thing and then yeah. a bezel and a marquee and the control panel anyway, anyway. it's eight-way game two buttons 256 by 224 resolution two z80s at three and four megahertz and the sound is that old favorite oh. the ay8910 oh the good old 8910 what you found out is in the vectrex yep it's in loads of stuff actually I used it for a lot of things which is why the time pilot sounds the vectrexian sounds a bang on because it's the same uh, sound chip. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Talking to uh, James about it last night. Right, it was designed by the legend mm-hmm. Yoshiki Okamoto, which we have talked about before. We did a little feature on him in the Sun Sun podcast number 24, so check that out. Yeah. And, and strangely, this is the fourth Okamoto game we've covered because oh, he did okay. Time Pilot, he did Sun Sun, mm-hmm. and he's also had producer credits on Pang. Ah, oh, okay. Well, it just shows how brilliant he is if we've done his games and yeah. not even realised. Yeah, he didn't do Vulgus, which which I thought he may have done. Mm-hmm. But he was doing Sun Sun and someone else was doing Vulgus at Capcom at the same time. Yeah. Also, it says on our notes here, there is a hack for, for this called Gallagher X. Yes, I found this somewhere. Yeah, you just sent it to me about a couple of hours ago, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It changes the graphics of 1942 to those of Gallagher. Uh, it's only playable in, it won't find it in normal MAME. You've got to get Misfit MAME, which I think people should try and get hold of. Uh, it's not a very big download, and you get the ROMs as well for it if you can find them. I don't know where you get them from. But Misfit MAME plays loads of games, really weird versions that aren't included in MAME. You know, games yeah. with different graphics, or they might have changed it, or there's a different hack from another board. And this one's quite interesting, because it uses Gallagher graphics, even on the big planes, and you get the big bugs from Gallagher. It's quite a lot yeah. of fun, actually. I quite liked it. I like when they yeah, about with stuff right. like that. So, what type of game is this 1942 beast? Oddly well, enough. thanks for asking. It's a vertical, sh- <laughs> it's a vertical shooter map set in the Pacific Theater of World War Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, most shooters were space themed, so this is a bit different. Yep. You pilot the Super Ace, which looks like a Lockheed P-38 Lightning. Yes. Didn't, didn't you think that? I thought that when you I saw it. You know what? It. There is a game I think called P-38 Lightning. And it, it uses that plane. Is that one thing, P-47? Might be. Ah, all those Ps. Yeah. And you're on a mission to reach Tokyo and, destro- and to destroy the entire Japanese fleet. It's a bit harsh, isn't You've it? you got a normal fire button. Oh, no. And it was written by Japanese guys. Yeah, that's odd. Obviously for the Western audience. Yes. Because in 1984, World War II had just finished the previous year, hadn't it? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah, been yeah. a while. Oh, yeah. Always forgiven. <laughs> You've got a normal fire button and a loop-the-loop button, mm-hmm. which will get you out of trouble for a couple of seconds. As you loop the loop, you're invincible, and yes. you can steer left and right. You can't go up and down on the screen, so you can get out of trouble. Mm-hmm. The game is split into 32 two-minute stages. I did time them. Oh, okay. It's a time thing, is it? Yeah, apart, oh, okay. from, the bosses, apart from the bosses. Yeah, 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 sure. And it's not endless, which was unusual for the time. Mm. 
The backgrounds are islands in the sea, lakes, forests, terraced hills, and eventually you go over towns and rivers as you approach Tokyo. Are they knackered towns? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've never forgotten that, have you, from no. uh, Rygar? Yeah. Knackered village, weren't it? Knackered villages, yeah. Knackered villages. <laughs> Stage begin. <laughs> you take off from the aircraft carrier, destroy enemies consisting of Japanese fighter planes of various sizes, shapes, and colors. You land back on the aircraft carrier, receive a bonus for your destruction. Uh, based on the amount of enemies destroyed and the rolls you have left. Mm-hmm. I had a cheese roll and a sausage roll left. Yeah, absolutely. They're my favorite rolls, yeah. they are. I love them. Smaller planes take one hit to kill, mid-sized planes six. Yeah. The larger bombers take 15, and the heavy bombers, which are the boss planes every eight levels, well, I think they vary, actually. I think the first one takes about 30 hits, and the last one takes 55. They go up. I wouldn't know that, because I've never seen one. You not know, got to the first boss? No, don't be silly. I'm nowhere near that. Oh, no, lordy. Shooting all the orange planes, I think they're either orange or bronze or summit. Yep. Uh, it gives you a power-up symbol, POW symbol. These, yep. The effects vary from a wider shot. You can get two wingmen. You get a smart bomb. You can disable the enemy fire for 15 seconds. You get an extra roll. I think that's a cheese roll. Mm-hmm. And Or you can just get a 1,000 points. Oh, and f- four of them are a bright red POWs that give you an extra life. They must be later on in, in the games. I've never seen those. Yeah, there's four of them that do appear, maybe five. Okay. Every four stages, you get a percentage and point-up stage where nothing shoots at you apart from the larger bombers. Yeah. And you've got to try and, if you shoot them all, you get 100% and you get 50,000 points. Yeah, right. The heavy bombers appear on level 26. It counts down this game. It's The first stage is called Last Stage 32. Yeah, it goes down to one, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when you get to Last Stage 26, that's the first heavy bomber. And then every eight stages after that, so 18, 10, and 2. Okay. Extra lives that we were playing are the Twin Galaxy settings. Yep. You get one after 20,000, and then 80,000, and every 80,000 afterwards. And mm-hmm. then none awarded after a million. I found that was a bit Oh, yeah, yeah, me upsetting. too, me too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the game, really. It's it's a very accomplished shoot 'em up I think. Yeah, the game level, when you play the level, I found there were certain parts. And I've only been on the early stages. I'm not very good at this. I noticed that when you first start, you get grey planes coming towards you. They sort of come down the screen from the left and the right. They come down at you, and they usually yeah. loop back on themselves and go back up the screen, or they just go straight past you, and they try to bomb at you to try to dive bomb you. Yeah. And then after you've done a load of those, and you get a, a sort of mid-sized plane every now and again, or two to come at the same time, then you get the green planes, which go round and round all over the place. They seem to go all over the screen and come up behind you and everything as well. Uh, and I found that's the way the levels go. And you get a heavy bomber, which has got a big plane, and that's how the level goes. And then you get some great ones again. That's sort of how the level progresses. And as far as I know, that's the way the game goes all the way through. But they do do very, yeah. very different attack formations, and you do get the different um, backgrounds underneath yeah. the plane. So the secrets and play tips, I would say... Mm-hmm. Stay in the middle of the screen, one-third up. Okay, I stay in the screen at the bottom. Maybe that was my trouble. Yeah, because well, there's things that come from behind, so you've got to watch that. Not in my games, they didn't. I didn't get that far. <laughs> um, another tip, planes that are destroyed when you get the white POW symbol, where you collect that and it just wipes everything off the Yeah, like a smart screen. bomb. Yep. 
but they do not count towards your shooting down percentage. Yeah, you've got to try and get as many planes you can. Don't let any any loose. And if you do get 100%, you get a huge bonus. Is it 50,000 points for a 100% bonus? Yeah, the, the actual display says 10,000. It's a bug, but you actually ah. get 50,000. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. I've never got it. Not once have I got that. I don't know. I think the best I've ever got is 95. I think you get 20,000 for that. There's a kind of random element as you as you come in to land on the aircraft carrier at the end. Yes, you can get about three shots off, mm. and there's sometimes there's three planes come at different areas of the screen. Yeah, it's a bit of luck and, that because I, I think Martin Bedard was saying at the yeah. very end when when you're just about to hit the aircraft carrier, you've got to try and get all the planes, and if one gets away, it stops you firing as you're landing, and if he gets away, that's your hundred percent blown. Yeah. So it's a bit random if you get them all. I try and sort of swoop across the screen, get as many as possible, but I'm never anywhere near 100% anyway, so it doesn't really matter to me. I've got 99, I can't get Have you really? Yeah. Well done, sir. Right, plane formations that come up from the bottom of the screen. So on later levels, you get like a triangle shape that comes up from the bottom of the screen, and it looks like there's no way through this. You can do a roll to roll over the top of them and then go appear underneath. But you can actually go down the left or right-hand side of the screen, and the wing of your airplane actually touches their wing of their airplane, but you don't die, so they're clean. Oh, okay. So you can just go down the side, which has saved me loads of lives. Thanks to Martin for that one. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. I notice when you, um, there's a little tip I think you're going to get onto here anyway, is when the heavy bombers come, they always come from behind you quite slowly. And what the trick normally is, you go right behind their left wing and you follow it up the screen, shooting at it. Because the closer you are, the the quicker your shots hit it. And you can get, you can kill it off before it starts firing at you. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah, And you can actually touch the side of the wing with your wing and you don't get killed. Yeah. But if you go too far to it, you will blow up. So you've got to be careful. Every every 250 planes destroyed, mm-hmm. you get a little Yasichi symbol. Yeah, a little tiny plane just creeps up from behind and gets quicker and yeah. zips off the screen. If you get him quickly, he flops off a... Uh, he sort of flies off to the side. And when it lands, you get the Yashishi, Yashishi symbol, which is... Really popular in Capcom games. Yeah. It's in Pirate Ship Higimaru. It's in Volgus. I think it's in Exodexes as well. Yeah. Because they actually, in Volgus, aren't they a bad guy? They try and sweep at you. Yeah. Yeah, I think are. that was so, where they, they were created. Yeah. It looks like a little sort of um, propeller, doesn't it, with a red mm. background on it? Yeah. Uh, those bombers run about where you can go underneath. Yep. If you crash one of your wingmen into them, you get various points. I have got, I'm sure I've got 10,000 for doing this. I tried this. When you get a wingman, just to smash one of your wingmen straight into the side of it, and I only got 2,500 for it, but I think what you do, like in Vulgus, the longer you stay alive and the more big bad guys you kill, they go up in points. So you yeah. get about five or six of them, you're up to like eight or 9,000 points each of them until you die, and it resets back to 2,000. And I think that's what happens. If you get a certain way up, they go up to 9,000, and say you're past that, that area of 9,000, and you smash when you wingman, and you get 10,000 for it every time. And I wasn't ever near that, that rate, so I never got that bonus for it. Yeah, I think also when you get to the, the large bombers, the, the, the bosses, Yeah. Three of three out of the four of them, they come from the top of the screen down. So the first bit you see of the aircraft is the tail. Yeah. And you can get loads of shots into that tail before the rest of the plane appears on the screen oh, okay. and starts showering you with bullets. Yeah. So I shoot as many times as I can in the tail and then start swooping at the bottom of the screen left and right to dodge like this 
cascade of bullets. Yeah. We had a few people on Twitter saying, oh, we're rubbish at this, you know, how do you play it? And I, I felt like that when I first started playing it again. I, I played my f- best ever score, I think it was the Isle of Wight, on an actual cab, a converted cab playing 1942. And I got that quarter of a million. And my tip to these guys who were sort of, who were dying really early, and I was as well, when I started playing it again, I just couldn't get into the game. I was rubbish at it. My sort of, um, my tips were when you've got the grey ship, grey aeroplanes coming down at you, it's to strafe across the bottom of the screen shooting all the time. Hopefully they'll get hit by one of your stray, stray shots. And yeah. then when the green planes are sort of swirling around and going all over the place firing at you, it's sort of stay in the middle at the bottom and obviously only move up when something's coming behind you and just keep shooting in the middle somewhere. Don't yeah. get caught in the side. Like, like a lot of these shooting games, don't get caught in a corner because you'll get hit mm. and get killed. Nobody puts baby in a corner. And that was my tips, but I still didn't do that well, to be honest with you. I don't know what was wrong with me on this game. I used to be quite good at it, and I quite well, I thought I was, and I liked it. And now I can't hardly do the first level without losing a life. Mm, a couple of people have said they think the first level is more difficult than two and three. I think it is, yeah, definitely. And I do, actually, definitely. I do. I do think it is. Yeah. And do you know what? When I first had Sarge's 1942 and I plugged it all in, I looked at the dip switch settings and I was on my phone at the time and there's a great site called crazykong.com and it's full of pinouts and dip switch settings and manuals and pictures of PCBs and it's a, it's a really cool database if, if you want to know settings on, on a PCB, on an arcade PCB. And I looked on there, because it was on the phone, the actual display of where the dip switches are and what settings actually were a bit jumbled where it's trying to fit into a little screen. Yeah. And I, I got the settings wrong. And I was playing the game and it got onto, is it the fourth level you say when you get a percentage and point up bonus? Yeah. And I was playing the game and this little bleeder started firing at me. It's like, what's going on? This isn't supposed to happen. They're not supposed to fire you on this level. Only the bombers, the big bombers fire at you. And I thought, I must have a different version because there, there are a few versions of the ROM set on main. There's like A and B and there's the, the Williams version and all sorts of different versions of it. And I thought I must be on a weird, you know, ROM set of it. And I realized I was actually on a harder level. Yeah. And what I also noticed is, you know, when, if you do let the heavy bombers survive before they start, if, when they start firing, they normally fire three bullets at you. One to the right hand side, one behind and one slightly to the left. That's why you yeah. go on the left hand wing where it can't actually hit you when it fires at you. You just stay there and shoot it. But yeah. when I was letting them, I was trying to shoot away, but I couldn't kill the big bombers off in time before it started shooting. I think it's because you need to hit them more times on the harder le- levels, the harder mm. settings on the PCB. And they were firing about eight bullets out the back of them in a big arc. So there's more bullets on the harder settings. And also, they, they fire at you on the, on the, um, on the bonus level. And also, when you when you're playing the game normally and you normally get like about four or five airplanes every sort of wave coming at you there was about yeah. eight or nine of them there was loads more planes to shoot wow so i presume if you're really good at it like you guys you can get more points because there's more planes to shoot ah, but the twin do, galaxy yeah. settings are normal everything's normal yeah. when i got it yeah. to normal it was okay because i was quite confused at the time thinking this game's too hard you know and i realized i was on a higher setting there is a trick to it. Um, mm, I'm sure I there is. I haven't got it. I just have not got it in this game. I think you have to be aware of where everything is. If you let a plane go past you, there's a high chance it's going to swoop up beneath you, so you move out of the way. Yeah. And and you kind of you're focusing on your ship as ever, but you've also got an awareness of what's around you, and it's taken me a long time to get into that because when I used to play it when I was a kid, I was... I was 
150,000 maximum. Yeah. And then I remember seeing it somewhere. It might have been at the very first NERG where I saw someone get over 200,000. I thought, right, I'm going to do that. So I just sat, I stood by it and I got over 200,000 at the first NERG. But that was only 2013 that I did that. Yeah, all right. So since then, I've been playing it a bit. Um, I can't play it on MAME anymore after playing it on this cab that I've got here. Is it that much different from MAME? Well, it does seem there's a bit of a... Because I am playing on an LCD TV through my laptop, I can now notice a lag on my TV. Really? Yeah, and I couldn't before, but because I've played the other one so much, I can now notice a slight lag yeah. and it just completely throws me it a really lot of people does say that to the untrained eye you never notice the difference but when you no. you play the game you're really you know familiar with and then you play it on a proper cap and you get familiar with that you go back to it no comparison it's very different but you can't quite put your finger on why it's different yeah you know all the attack formations are the same the graphics look the same the sounds normally sound the same but it's just a slight i think it's just the timing thing and you mm. notice really badly the timing differences you know you might sort of go to a certain place on a screen because you know something's coming and it won't come in the same time because yeah. the timing's slightly off it's very very subtle yeah. but you do notice it i think yeah there's um an extra lives bug in the uh the older versions of the arcade rom yes there is you right. found which, out about this didn't you which is the one that i'm playing yeah so you get extra, say you get your extra life at 80,000, you're coming up to 160,000. Yeah, for the second lot of extra lives, yeah. Yeah, you, there's, you get a bonus at the end of a stage, and say if you get a 20,000 bonus, yeah. and you go over 10,000 more than mm-hmm. your extra life, so, so if you go over 169,990 to 170,000, you yeah. do not get your extra life and any other lives afterwards. Yeah, that's it, your extra lives are gone. Because the program is looking for one six in the first two digits. Ah, oh, I see. So, so yeah, you can you can have hundred and fifty eight thousand land get a, get a twenty thousand bonus if you do well. Mm-hmm. If you clear seven percent, you get a twenty thousand bonus. Yeah. So that puts you to one seventy eight, and you've had it. You don't get your life because it's looking for one six something something something. Oh, that real really cripple you trying to finish the game off, wouldn't it? If you're that good. Yeah. So you, you've got one. I've got one eye watching the lives. Yeah, that must be really distracting because you're trying to, when you get the higher levels, there's bullets everywhere. It turns into a bit of a bullet hell, doesn't it? Especially when you get the, yeah. the big bosses and trying to do that as well as keep an eye on the score and then not shoot certain planes so you don't get a bonus. Yeah. It kind of goes against your high score thing, doesn't it? Yeah, there's, so I reckon you can get easy 30,000 on each level. So you're coming up to a level, you think, right, I'm going to get 30,000 points here if I shoot everything. Yeah. Plus, I may get a ten or twenty thousand bonus at the end. So you've got to think before you start the level: Am I going to jump over the extra life? Yeah, there's thing? no way I could think about that while playing the game, trying to concentrate, not getting shot. The biggest problem for me on this game, and I think why my brain couldn't get into it—I'm sure it could if I tried harder—is I noticed that when when the planes are flying around, they don't always shoot right at you. There's mm. bullets flying randomly across the screen. That's usually <laughs> when I fly yeah. into something, because I'm trying to stay out of the way of a plane or a bullet coming straight at me, and I'll move out the way, and I won't see a bullet, and I'll just fly into a random bullet. And I was finding mm. that a lot. It was a really bad thing, because there's bullets flying. They just lob a bullet from you know a, a really oblique angle, and it, it's not firing at you, but you'll run into it because you're trying to avoid something else. And that was my biggest problem in the game, is I kept running into bullets and even other planes, which I didn't think were going to be there. Mm, it is kind of at you. It's kind of almost shooting at you. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. 
Right, the gameplay. Let's have a look. Let's have a talk about the gameplay. Let's. Uh, I love it. Oh, really? Um, I yeah. couldn't have guessed. Yeah, I do. I do. The graphics, nothing special. The sound, nothing special, I must admit, to be honest. But I love the feel of the game. I think that's why even I've played it to death and I still want to play it now. Mm. If someone said to me, tell me in a f- as little words as possible a vertical shooter, I'd say 1942. Yeah. If someone said to me, name a platform game, I'd say Mario. Yeah. If someone said to me, name a maze game, I'd say Pac-Man. And it's yeah. the thing with 1942. It's like a pure shooter. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's You've got really, a plane, yeah, one fire everything. button, things fire at you, you fire at them, you've got to get out of jail free card. There's a few extra weapons on it. And yeah, yeah that's just it. It's a shooter, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's got, it embodies the best of everything that came before it. This is what yeah, I think. Yeah, not right? the first, but no. definitely a good one. The wingman idea could have come from Gaplus or Gallagher. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You get the you get the bolt-ons on that. Yeah. And also slap fire. I'm not sure if that's earlier or later. They get yeah. bolt on, on wingman as well later slap on. Slap fire's later, isn't it? 85, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 86. Double bullets they could have got from Gallagher. Yeah. Um, I found a game that gives you a shooting down accuracy as well. It's called Dogfight from Orca. Oh, Okay. And uh, 1983, and Orca went on to become Toaplan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the typewriter text that you love about the you know falling down the stairs typewriter text. Yes, that was also in two Data East games on their cassette system. Oh, okay. Uh, Zor and Mission X. Oh, okay, right. So I found that oh, God, early done. games, 82 games they yeah. were. And also the World War Two theme had been done before as early as 1980 with SOS from Namco. Oh, okay. But I can't find another game that gives you the roll option, you know, the loop-the-loop loop option. I, I actually, for breakfast, I had a bacon and egg roll. Oh, Did you? Yeah. Lovely. I wasn't thinking of 1942 at the time, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, so as I said, the graphics are okay. I like the way they're very sparse in the background when they need to be. When you've just got when you've got the point-up levels, there is no, there's just the sea scrolling by, so you can concentrate on the craft. Yeah. I just think it's very well designed. One thing I like about the graphics are very simple, but they do exactly what they want to do. There's a little yeah. plane, there's loads of planes coming, there's a couple of big planes. But what I did find is, because I'm not very good at the game, the first few levels are sea. And that's yeah. it, you're sort of going over sea and blah, blah, blah. But when I got to the first sort of jungle level, it changes dramatically. You thought, oh my God, it's completely, the, the terrains are completely different now. And it was quite nice seeing a bit of difference in the game I didn't realise and when I've seen you guys playing before there was quite a few different terrains later on which I've never seen before yeah. I never will see but yeah it's nice to see them now and again mm. I think some of the background they've copied well was inspired by Gyrodyne Gyrodyne which is another Orca was it Orca or Crux yeah Crux that went on mm. to become Plan. so that was released in July 84 and you look at the backgrounds on that and they look similar to 1942 they remind me of Xevious as well yeah but of the, course the game's yeah, a bit similar to Xevious isn't it and that's 80 yeah. I think 81 maybe yeah so they've copied a few bits but I think overall it's just a perfect package for me yeah definitely I, I think altogether mm. the package is original and it was it was it was a, a yeah. defining moment for shoot 'em ups yeah so what improvements would you make, Vic, on this beautiful beast of a game? Well, the UK VAC sound enhancement unit, which I've already got on my main <laughs> yeah. thing, and I'm going to do that. I think the sound they did yeah. on that, the Squadron 633, is great. It really it really uh, yeah. fits the game well, I think. I really like it. I think Colonel Bogey would have been a good uh, tune as well. 
We talked about the extra lives bug, and we actually found out, I think Sea Monkey was trying to work out how to do it, and I think he worked out how to do it, and then he found out later on that Rev B ROM set has actually been done. They actually fixed the ROM set to, you know, sort out that extra lives bug, which nobody knew about, and it actually fixed it in there. So if you want to go and play this game properly, you need the Rev B ROM set. Yeah, I did try and play it in MAME. Um, but like I said, I just can't get on with it anymore. I've got to play the actual hardware now. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you say about making the point-up stages a bit short. They are very long, aren't they? And they're a little bit dull because nothing's firing at you. Uh, yeah, so I would make the point-up stage shorter maybe because it's a two-minute stage. Yeah. I'd make it more maybe like a Gallagher challenge stage where you've got, say, 30, 40 ships to shoot. You get them all 100%. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And also respawn exactly where you died. I love that in games. That's a bugbear of yours, isn't it? Yeah, a little way back. Mm. (laughs) The cabinet art, well, there is some artwork, even though it was a kit for the game. There is some artwork. It's got a really nice, and there's different versions of it as well. I've got on our notes some pictures here, and there's different versions of it as well. You've got like a marquee, I think it's quite a plain control panel. You've got a nice little bit of side art on it, and there's some stickers on the front of this one. The two pictures we've got on here, the one on the left I'm looking at, we'll have to put these on the show notes so our listeners can look at them as well. That is actually a Xevious cab. I can see that by the shape of it. it. It's obvious, yeah, it's a Xevious cab. Yeah. Uh, and that's got some quite nice artwork on it. It's got like a backdrop in the back of the panel. It's got a nice marquee. It's got a bit of side art, and it's got a bit above the control panel as well. And the one on the right, that, that style of cabinet, I think it's an Australian site, and it's called a low boy because they're quite low down, and the, the screen's sloped quite far away from you quite flat yeah. which is very good for um for shoot 'em up games you can see what's coming up the screen better and that's got some nice side art on it i like that a lot but yeah just mm-hmm. a kit wasn't it control panel maybe pcb bit of art never really yeah. a, a proper cabinet but a, a lot of the early capcom games were like that they were just kits only i think higamaru was a kit yeah. volgus was a kit that sort of stuff yeah. exodexes was a kit as well yeah, the Williams control panel, there's a close-up of it somewhere online, and it's it's quite strange. It's all like pipes, and it's very sort of a weird design, really. Should it not be planes and stuff? Yeah. Kamikazes and all that lot? Yeah, we'll have to find a picture of that. It's very strange. Mm. Anyway, ports, sequels, spin-offs, and legacy games. Yeah, loads of them, wasn't there? Absolutely loads. There's millions, yeah, there is tons, and they've all sort of blurred into one. Yeah, I, I don't know big, in the sort of date or they did it. Because 1943 was the next one, which we don't like, do we? I'm not so keen on that, on the power no, bar system I. on that, no. And there was 1943 no. Kai, which is a remix sort of of the same game, and I'm not sure what came yeah. after that, but 1941's quite a good game. That's a more of a modern shooter. That's quite fun. I like that one. Uh, yeah. And there's 1945, there's 19- 19XX. I believe there's a 1944 as well, isn't there? I think so. There's yeah. loads of them. Yeah, they're on everything. They was converted to everything. Do you know, I've even got a bottle of shampoo in the bathroom with a version of it on. With planes on it? Yeah, with 1942 running on that shampoo. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, know what, I don't know what I'm on about. Should we get on to the scoring? Yeah. But overall... Um, if I'm trying to keep away from the scoring. Overall, um, the game <laughs> is sort of a an enhanced version uh, and very similar in design and difficulty, hard difficulty, to Volgus and Exodexes, which was previous games by Capcom. They sort of gone yeah. and, and used maybe maybe they used the same engine. I don't know and put a game around it, but it's very similar, very game. Okay, let's do some score. We got the scores here. Yeah, loads but of question marks after mine. Score. Very boring question marks after mine actually. 
when we get to your score, you're going to have to interject where you are on the table, all right? Oh, God. I'm thinking I'm second up from the bottom, actually. Well, we've got... I am. We've got madsteed.com, got 152,020. Yep. And me next. Then what did... My next score was... I am... On my main cabinet, I got a score of 202,000. That's from before. I only managed 182,000 odd. I'm not sure the exact figure. I'll make up the last three digits. 182,000 is close to what I got. I actually gave up because I was getting so angry at myself for not being as good as I used to be. And I don't know why. It's not been that long since I played it and I just rubbish at it now. Just could not get into it, mate. We've got Minwa on 197,000. So as well as reproducing the music and hacking the ROMs, he's beaten my score. Yeah, Ooh. he's done well, hasn't he? The cheeky scamp. The cheeky scamp. Lezalay 70 has got 308,780. That's a pretty good score. Striker on the forums said he's got 600,000-ish, so wow. that's a good score. He can get 4 million on Gallagher. I've seen him do it. Ooh, he's wow. a good player, very good player. Uh, oh, listener go. of the week, Ian Cullen. Yeah, he's managed one million one hundred thirty-nine thousand oh five hundred and eighty. So all these top, there's four people here have beaten my score by just over a million points. That's <laughs> yeah. insane, isn't it? Yeah, go on, that's good, isn't it? In third place is me. Oh right, okay. One million five hundred forty-nine thousand four hundred and thirty. Well, I've got so to a the, million and a half, basically. Yeah, I'm pleased with that because yeah. two week two weeks ago I was on a million. I remember the last time you spoke or we spoke about this, you were on seven hundred and something thousand. You've doubled your high score. Yeah, I think the the, the competition between me and Tronads, yeah, Dave that Hamilton, was good. has been has been excellent, and it's pushed us both actually. Yeah, yeah. To, to, I, I, in two weeks, I wouldn't have thought I'd done that, so I'm well pleased with that. Yeah, absolutely. In second place, just he's just clipped me here. Yeah, Mr. SM Radius with one five seven. That's one one million five hundred seventy four thousand and ninety. Wow. I <laughs> saw him playing Raiden Raiden Fighters Two. Yeah. Uh, arcade club, and he stopped at mine the other night, and he was playing it, and he got sixty million on it. Sixty <laughs> million. Telephone. I was getting figures. three million. Wow. I was getting three million, but his reactions are incredible. He knows the skill. And I reckon, I reckon if he puts his mind to anything, he just, it just thrashed this. Yeah, he's very good games. Goes. I've seen some of his scores in other games. Yeah, really good. I bet he's had two goes. Put just knock that up and then just left it. Yeah. So who's the but top of the team then? Mister David Hamilton, who beat us, thrashed us on Sunson a while ago. Can you remember that? No, can't remember. I don't think he did. Oh, good. He has got. He's got to the same level as me, the penultimate stage, but he's done better on points. He's got 1,713,980. I don't want to give it to him, but... That's an incredible score. I reckon in a couple of weeks, both of us are going to be finished this game. Yeah, because the thing is, as well, you didn't mention earlier, is when you finish the game and you complete the, the, the big bad boss at the end, you get 10 million points and then the game ends. That's it. So all the yeah. world record holders are scrabbling to get to that end point. And what they do is if they've got a bunch of lives left over, as, as Martin Bedard was saying, they use the extra lives. They drain their lives at the end, nearly killing off the big ship and then killing themselves and then doing it again, killing themselves, just to get these extra yeah. bonus points. Because when, when you kill that guy on the very last life, if you're that good, the game ends and that's your score. So if you've got yeah. like two, three million points... 
which seems, you know, high anyway compared to you guys at 1.7, which is brilliant. You get another 10 million and then that's the game. That's your score. Then that's it. Yeah. So yeah, one point, you're only one level off doing the game. Yeah. It, it won't be long morning. now, mate. It won't be long. That's going to be such an achievement when you do that. I might even give you two pings yeah. when you do that. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So that's good. And also just before, just before we leave this game, this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful game. Yes. The programmer, Yoshiki Okamoto, mm-hmm. when we mentioned him in Sun Sun, he was in a bit of a lull. Yeah. He'd, he's, he's, company had gone bust and he'd sort of withdrawn his twitter account and all that yeah and i mentioned that he'd done a game he'd programmed a game on mobile devices called monster strike right yeah it's getting big isn't it and i've 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 looked into that and some some former like younger fan of his teamed up with him and they made this game together Mm -hmm. and on kotaku the uh, that reports on japanese news and you know like all all game news awesome site this monster yeah, this monster strike is now turning over $3.7 million a day. A day. A day. So that's how big it is. It's it's in Japan, it's massive. I think it's been released in America November last year. Yeah. So I, he's, I'd say that was quite he's, successful, he's redeemed wouldn't himself. <laughs> he's gone on yeah, to bigger so things, that guy. Well done him. So okay. good for him, because he's given... He's given us these games that we love, like Time Pilot and that. And yeah, mm. good on you, Shiki man. <laughs> yeah. Right then, I want to hear no more talk of 1942 ever. That was the deal, you. Until you finish it, then you can oh, speak I about did... it a bit. Other than that, I don't want to hear oh, okay. anything about this horrible game that I was crap at. Anyway, I anyway, did say that. Anyway, didn't I? the art of side art. We're going way back no, to side. Oh, no, no, we're not. We're looking at side art. We are looking at the side of a cap. And this one is Reactor, which is a really weird little cabinet, isn't it? It's quite a squat little thing. I like thing. it. I like it. I've seen one of these. I'm sure Ol's got one, and I'm sure Rav has got one as well. Uh, big collectors in the UK. Uh, it's a Gottlieb game, Reactor, and it's a trackball game. I don't think I've played it. I must get on and play it. I must try and sort out a trackball so I can play some of these games. Because we've done no trackball or spinner games, have we? We haven't. We need to get a trackball and spinner each so we can play some of these, because they are a lot of fun. But you need you need the control panels to play them. You need the, the correct controls to play these games. Anyway, this game is a control... Uh, it's a trackball game. It's got like a big sort of um, X around the trackball. And on the side, it's very orange and red and yellow tones. And it's it's got like a big explosion on the side. It's a really weird little cab. I put... Uh, a show note picture of it on there and it's got two big speakers in the front of it on on the on the marquee area with a little marquee in the middle and it does look a really odd little game really nice little thing isn't it? it almost looks like a midi but slightly bigger than a midi game yeah and it hasn't got that full-on marquee at the top it's got sort of a middle marquee with two speakers on the side which is a really nice little game it looks really cool the game actually i was having a little go earlier on it's nice music yeah it's you've got a it's very strange you've got to use your trackball to bump these little things into into the side of the reactor to blow it up okay yeah it's quite different really so i suppose you're playing with a mouse where you're rather than a trackball yes oh, okay yeah. groovy i like that yeah so, lovely cab listeners have a look on our show notes you can see the cab we're on about okay you can do you want to do your uh your way back theme tune now I'm going to save it this week because next week I'm going to try and do a proper one. I'm going to try and record it. Are you going to get your xylophone out? Yeah, it's going to going to even be better than our our wedding speech, wedding sketch. Okay, <laughs> I look forward to that. 
probably. Oh, okay. yeah. Tell right. me about yeah. May 2000. We're going way back, kids, to May 2000. That's 15 of your Earth years ago. Dragon mm-hmm. Blaze. Oh, yeah. By, I never know how to say this company, Psycho or Psycho. 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 I don't know. Psycho. Mm. I call it. It's like Prosecco. Psycho. Probably. Yeah. It's a dragon themed bullet hell. Mm-hmm. With Pesicchio's trademark insane difficulty, Mega Mech, super fast bullets, bullet hells are not supposed to have bullets 100 mile an hour, you're supposed to weave through them like a beautiful ballet girl. But yeah. not these games, they just spit them out they so just fast. throw them at you, yeah, they yeah. are difficult. They've done yeah. some really nice games, Psycho. Psycho? I yeah, don't know. I don't, oh, why do you to... pick these flipping names? Sorry about that. Going back 25 years, May 1990, Alien Storm from Sega. Yeah. A side-scrolling beat-em-up, which had a Men in Black-style humour kind of thing. I That's haven't what I played thought. that. I know the name, but I don't think I've played it. You go to these like little wagons, and they look like uh, little food wagons, and then they turn into like a, a shop where you can buy these bizarre weapons, like weird, weird laser whips and stuff to kill all the aliens. As you do. It's full of... Full of different little bits of humour. It's cool. I wouldn't say the game interests me, but the the graphics are quite funny. Oh, okay, I'll look at it. May nineteen eighty. You've already already mentioned a, a, a little known game. I think it'll in time. I think people will come to recognise this as a classic. No, I'll never, I'll never make it. Puckman. What a crap name. Puckman. Mm. They need to change that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Also, May nineteen eighty. Five years ago. Speak yeah. and rescue also called Stratavox when Taito licensed it from yep. Sun Electronics. Now, this, I think, is the first game with speech or synthesized voices. So it's before Berserk. Yeah. But if you heard the voices, they're terrible in MAME, and I think on proper hardware, maybe they're a lot better. Do you know what? I just thought of another game that was earlier than Berserk that's got speech in it, King yeah. and Balloon, which was on... I th- it's very similar to Galaxian hardware. And the game is very similar to Galaxian. You've got these balloons at the top of the screen in the Galaxian yeah. format. And they, you've got a king behind you who's moving around. And you've got to protect the yeah. king. And they come down and grab the king. And they float off yeah. him. And if they get to the top, you lose a life. And you, he goes, help me, help me. Help! And when you shoot the, the balloons, he drops down again and you save him. So that yeah. adds speech as well. Ah, yeah. And that's it. That's it, people. Oh, one thing before we go. Let's do next yep. show's game. And who picked it? I did, and it's 1942 again. No, it's not. <laughs> and it's not your go, pal. It's oh, my no. go. And yeah. I'm choosing a game I threatened to do a while back. Yeah. I, I threatened to do it when No Quarter did it, and they didn't like it. How dare yeah. they? They were very wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. The game is by Taito, and it's called Volfide. Yes, okay. I must say I love this game. Let's do it. Okay, I am not familiar with it. I've given it like 10 minutes and was rubbish, which you'll be pleased to know. Yeah, there's a lot of secrets in this game. Have a look, do some research on it, and you'll find them out. Um, And you can also find them yourself, which I did on a lot of this, this game. But yeah, really cool game. And on that note, shall we get gone? We shall do. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10pencearcade, and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you, 
for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 